Hey everyone, my name is Josh Scroggins, a pastor of New Beginnings Family. Just wanted to say thank you for joining our podcast and welcome. We hope the following message will be encouraging, will inspire you to grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more about us or would like to support our ministry financially, you can visit our website at www.nbfamily.net. And as always, for all you do to support us, thank you. God bless you and enjoy the message. This year, our theme is called out, and we're focusing on the ways that God calls us out of our comfort zones and into his purpose for us. Uh, Given that, it seems only appropriate to begin the year with a series about men and women who were called out of the lives they knew and into the lives God made them for. As we look at people like Moses and Peter and Esther and David and Abraham, Paul, I want to explore what it means to be called out. Um, In my kitchen, there are several different appliances. I've got a microwave and a toaster. I've got a refrigerator, have an oven, have a mixer. And recently, we added a bottle warmer for our newborn baby. Every one of these appliances uses the same power source in order to function. Uh, If I go to my fuse box and I flip the right switch, I can control the power to the entire kitchen. Yet, even though each of these items uses the same power source... They have very different functions. Each time we get a new appliance, it's because it does something the others can't do. If I need to make food last longer, I don't buy another microwave. If I get a refrigerator, I get a fridge, right? If I need to toast bread, I don't buy another mixer. Each of these items was made and purchased for a specific function. And the more variety I have in in the appliances that are in my kitchen, the more successfully I can do what I want to do in the kitchen. Well, each of us was made the same way, and I think this analogy is one that we should keep in mind when we're talking about calling and we're talking about purpose. We all have the same power source for our lives. That source of power is the God who made us. But each of us have completely different jobs, different callings, so to speak. When God made you, he didn't do it by mistake. God didn't need two of me. He needed one of you and one of me. I'm thanking God there are not more than one of me. We don't need more than one. Um, I wonder at times if we need even one. (laughs) But look, God didn't want you to be me. He didn't call you to be me. He called you to be you because he needs a you. Because you can do things I can't do. Because I can do things you can't do. I have different experiences, different personality, different heart than you've got. I've got passions that are not your passions, just like you have passions that are not my passions. We need each other. We have different gifts and talents and abilities and backgrounds. But when we come together, we're able to do something incredible. And just like those different appliances have different purposes and different uses, God has a different purpose for us and a different use for us. So I want to just encourage you to um, sit down and listen for a moment to this, this podcast today. And I hope that it is encouraging for you. I hope that it's inspiring for you. Um, let me go ahead and uh, just real quick take a look at a story that is uh, a familiar one. It's going to be from Exodus chapter 3, and it is uh, about a character named Moses. Now, I think you probably have heard of Moses. If you have not, uh, maybe you have seen the movie 
Prince of Egypt. Um, if you have not seen Prince of Egypt, then uh, go check it out. It's an amazing movie. I think you'll really enjoy it. But Moses, in this uh, passage, and by the time we get to Exodus chapter 3, a lot of things has already have already happened. So let me just sum up real quick what, what has gone down. Uh, Moses has been raised in Egypt as an adopted grandson of the Pharaoh. His daughter adopted him as her own child. Uh, he grew up knowing, knowing that he was a Jew. He's a Hebrew. He knows that. But he's living life as if he is an Egyptian. He knew inside that he was a Jew. And one day after seeing an Egyptian beating a Jew, Moses looked around to make sure no one was watching. And then he killed the Egyptian. And then he hid the body in the sand. But even still, word got out. There was a couple of uh, uh, Hebrews arguing and Moses trying to break them up. And they say, are you going to kill us like you did that Egyptian? And suddenly he realizes word is out. People know that I killed an Egyptian. I need to get out of here. Well, sure enough, Pharaoh heard about it and decided to kill Moses as a result. So Moses fled to a land called Midian. While he's there, he met and married a woman named Zipporah. And then he stayed there as a shepherd. Now, during this time, Pharaoh died. A new Pharaoh took his place and the Hebrew people were crying out to God to save them. God hears their cries. He sets forth a plan to rescue and bless them. And in, in doing so, God decides to use a prophet. Now, this, this word prophet, I think it gets mixed up a lot. It gets messed up a lot. It gets misinterpreted a lot. Um, I think when we, when we hear the word prophet, we, we tend to think of someone who tells the future. And there are indeed times where prophets spoke about the future, but that's not really what a prophet is. Um, in, in fact, a prophet, by just very definition, is someone who speaks for God, right? It's God's mouthpiece. It's God's messenger. It's God's uh, uh, anointed one that, that is, is sent. It's a human being that is being used by God to display a message to his people. Um, now, as we look at this encounter where Moses is called out in this in this uh, episode, I want you to see just how this can relate to you. Moses had a purpose for his life that God created him for. That purpose was to lead God's people out of Egypt and into the promised land. God didn't just call Moses into this. God made Moses for this. And I think that's very important for us to understand. God does not call you to a purpose. He made you for the purpose. That's a big difference. It's not that, that God says, well, I think here's the here's what I want you to do with your life. And you say, man, I, I don't know. This isn't the right. I, this is not for me. And you say, no, 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 you don't understand. You were made for this. You weren't You weren't called into it necessarily as much as you were made for it. Now, there is a time where God calls us out. He calls us in. He calls us to the purpose that he made us for and reveals to us what it is that we were made for. But make no mistake, the call that is on your life, the purpose that is on your life, it is not something that God decides after you're born. It is something that he specifically made you to do. And for Moses, that purpose was to lead God's people out of Egypt and into the promised land. And that's where we are when we get to the third chapter of Exodus. Moses is tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro when he notices a bush that was on fire. And by the way, this is not uncommon, right? It, it's not unusual. It's not uncommon to, to have a bush burst into flames in the desert. 
it's hot, it's dry, uh, things burst into flame. That's not unusual. What was unusual? Well, there's a couple things that are unusual. First of all, it was slightly unusual that the bush was not burning up. What was very unusual is that a voice spoke out of the bush. Now, I might have my attention peaked when I see a bush burning but not burning up, but you got my full attention if that bush begins to talk to me. Well, Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 to 10, this is after he is now told, take off your shoes, you're standing on holy ground, which clues him in that this voice talking to him is is not just a hallucination. This is something bigger and better. This is something uh, more important than that. Um, something more substantial and something more real than than he could possibly imagine. But now he he realizes this is God speaking to him, and the Lord tells him, "I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering." So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians, to lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile, spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, land with the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. All the ites are there. Uh, look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel out of Egypt. Today, I want to um, focus, and I, it, particularly in this, this passage, this podcast, this episode, I want to look at the objections that Moses made to his call. Because when God calls you out, the first response typically is objections. And so I want to look at what it is that, that he said. What were the objections that Moses stated? And why do I want to do that? Well, because several thousand years later, we are still making those same objections when God calls us out of a life of comfort, out of a life of ease, out of a, a life that is uh, dull at times and, and, and predictable and safe. And God calls us out of that into something bigger and better and more substantial and more powerful. We make these same excuses. So here's the first one. Here's the first objection. Moses says, I'm, I'm not important enough. Objection number one is simply, I'm not important enough. In Exodus 3, 11 to 12, it says, Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? That's the question. Who am I? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And God said, he answered with this. He said, I will, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people of, uh, out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. Moses' first objection, and mine, by the way, when I, when I was first called into the ministry, this was the first objection I had. It's the first objection that we see Moses giving, and it's simply this, who am I to do this? I mean, in this context, Moses is being called to speak on behalf of God to the most powerful human king in the known world. That is a big calling. And so many times when we hear someone talk about God having a purpose for our life, we immediately look at ourselves and we see our faults, our shortcomings, our weaknesses, our failures. When God called me to pastor, my first thought was, who am I that anyone would care what I have to say? 
Why would anyone want to follow me? Why would anyone trust me to lead them? Who am I? When God called me to, to pastor, I was, I was a teenager. And I looked at myself and I saw, yes, I have a, a lot of pastors in my family. I know what it's like. I know what it takes. And I didn't have it. I didn't have the life experience. I didn't have the age. I didn't have the understanding. I didn't have the, um, the, the, the equity, so to speak, to really speak into people's lives. I, I thought, how, who am I? Who am I that, they, that they're going to look at me like this? I, I'm young. I wasn't married, clearly. Uh, I, I, I don't have kids. How am I to talk to them about, uh, about their home? about marriage? How can I talk to them about raising children? How can I talk to them about, uh, I mean, at the time I didn't have a full-time job. How am I to talk to them about um, work or, or living out in the world? I'm working full-time at, at, at a church I've, or, or at least part-time. I was working for my dad. Um, who am I? I don't, I don't have all of this to speak into it. Why would people trust me with this? And my first response to God was, I think you've got the wrong person. This isn't something I can do. And maybe when I tell you that God has a purpose and a calling for your life, that's your first response too. You look in the mirror and you see just how small you are and how unqualified you are for the job. And, and I'll be honest with you, I still see myself in that light. I still look and say, yeah, I'm, I'm doing the job. I'm still grossly unqualified for this job. I still do not understand why it is that God called me to do this. I still don't understand how he could use me to do what he's doing. I see myself as small, and maybe that's how you see yourself as well, is that, that you see how small you are and how unqualified you are for the job. And that was what Moses said. He says, who am I? I'm, I'm just some Hebrew living out in the desert. I, I'm, I'm just some criminal that, that was being chased uh, pursued. Who am I? And God's response to this objection was amazing. He tells Moses the same thing that I, I think he would tell you. He says, I will be with you. I will be with you. Do you catch that? See, when Moses started objecting to the call of God for his life because of how small he felt, God reminded him of how big he was. And if you feel like you're too small to fulfill your purpose, that's okay. You are. But, but instead of focusing on how small you are, take a moment to ponder how big God is and remind yourself, God will be with me. The second objection that Moses gives was this. He says, I don't know what to say. In other words, Moses is saying, look, I, I know there's going to be problems. There's going to be questions. There's going to be things coming up. I don't know how to handle them when they come. Exodus 3, 13 to 15, and then we'll, we'll jump ahead a little bit to verse 18. He says, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? And God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. 
God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. And then God promises him this. He says, the elders of Israel will accept your message. Then you and the elders must go to the king of Egypt and tell him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has sent, uh, has met with us. So please let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord, our God. Now, there's another protest here, right, about his own qualifications. But this time, it's not just based on who he is. It's based on his lack of understanding. And when God calls you, there is certainly going to be uh, a certain amount of fear that comes with it based on things you don't know. Surely there's going to be unknown circumstances that come your way. How are you supposed to handle that? You might dream up um, imaginary scenarios of what could go wrong or um, what could disqualify you. And maybe in your head, that's what's that's what's happening. And what's more, I think it's important to realize here that God didn't give Moses the play-by-play for everything that would happen. He just gave him an overall plan, right? So essentially in this passage, what, what God tells Moses is this. He says, I'm going to send you to, to your people. The elders of Israel will accept the message, and then you're to go to the king of Egypt and tell him. And then he tells him, you're going to tell Pharaoh to let God's people go, to let my people go. Pharaoh is not going to like the message. He's going he's gonna to not accept it. And I'm going to have to do miracles to change his mind. But in the end, it's going to work out. Now, you might first think, well, that's that's a pretty good description of what happened, right? God, God told him everything he needed to know. God told him all the details. Well, it seems like it at first glance, but there's a few details God left out that if I'm Moses, I would be asking for further clarification. For instance, God, when you say the king won't like it, how much are we talking about? How angry is he going to be? I know he's not going to accept this, but how angry is he going to be that I approached him with this demand? What kind of miracles are you talking about, God? The kind where you have to bring me back from the dead because the king killed me? Because he was too angry and he was upset and he didn't accept it? I mean, how about a little more info here? How about let me know how bad is this going to get? But no, that's not what God did. And that's not what God does. He simply gives Moses the next step. And then he expected Moses to trust him. Moses didn't know how bad it was going to get. He didn't know all the details. He didn't have all of that information. All Moses knew was that God said, I will be with you. And all that Moses knew is this is going to have a few steps along the way to look for him. And maybe that's where you're at right now. God has put something on your heart to do. You want more answers, but all he has given you is the next step. Maybe all you know right now is that God is saying, I want you to get involved in the church you're at. I want you to volunteer. Maybe God's put on your heart right now and he's saying, I just want you to tell that coworker about Jesus. I want you to just share with them a testimony. Maybe God has put on your heart to, to give above and beyond that 10% tithe. 
and give towards a, a missions project or uh, to, to bless someone who's in need that you know about right now. Maybe that next step is, is, is uh, applying for a job. Maybe that next step is uh, uh, looking for a new home. Maybe that next step is to, to read through the Bible this year or to, to take time each week and make it a priority every day for prayer. See, God isn't going to give you every detail of the plan. He wants you to trust him every step of the way. And so he'll give you step by step. You want to know the whole plan for your life, but God isn't telling you right now. Simply all God is saying is this. He's saying, take the next step and trust me. The third objection that that Moses gives is this one. What if people don't accept me? Right? What what if the people don't accept me? What are the people going to think? What are they going to think about me? Exodus 4, 1 to 2 um, and I'm just going to read the first part of verse 2 because it's it's the biggest moment. But it says, Moses protested again. Now, this is the third time he's protesting God. He's, he's dancing a thin line here. He's walking on thin ice. Moses protested again. What if they don't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? And the Lord asked him, what is in your hand? Moses' third objection is, whether or not others would accept him. And it's such a common issue that people have right now. I, I'm particularly, I, I can talk about America. I can talk about here in the States, uh, particularly in the area of America that I'm at, which is in, in, in Eugene, Oregon, Springfield, Oregon, in this area. But what I've seen is in our country in particular, this issue has been a problem for Christians. First of all, we have a lot of people that they'll come to a church service. They'll hear a sermon. They'll have God prompt their heart to respond. Maybe even now as you're listening, you feel God tugging on your heart and you don't know who he is. You've never really given your heart to him. You've never really made that decision. But you feel like God is prompting you and saying, I'm with you. I'm I'm here. I'm asking you to trust me and take a step. And you feel that. And so many people come into a church and God prompts their heart. But they, they, even though they know what God wants them to do, that they, that God wants them to give their lives to him, they don't because they're afraid of what others might think. Well, if I raise my hand, what does that mean? Are they going to think less of me? So many Christians in our country refuse to share Jesus with someone else because of what that person might think of them. And this is, in fact, the biggest tool being used against Christians in America today. We're afraid that if we tell people we're a Christian, that they're going to label us with something, right? Maybe they'll think we're stupid or ignorant or bigoted or racist or homophobic or transphobic or any other phobic words that have nothing to do with what phobic actually means, which is a fear of something. Maybe they're going to call us a, one of the ist words, right? Or we're going to get labeled with something. And so we're we're afraid to tell them that we're Christians. And that's a big problem that Christians have in America. We're often so afraid of what other people will think or say that we're so intimidated into not doing the thing that God called us to do. And we choose peer pressure over purpose. But what God says to Moses is this. He says, What is in your hand? 
God then gives Moses three signs. The first is transforming the rod into a serpent and back. The second is giving Moses a severe skin disease on his hand and then miraculously healing it. And the third was having Moses pour water from the Nile, having it turn to blood on the ground. And God says, use these signs to convince the people. Now, what God tells us is the same thing. When we say, what if people won't accept me? God says, what's in your hand? What have I given you to work with? What have I already placed in your hand? What gifts do you have? What talents do you have? What resources do you have? When you take what God has already given you and you allow God to work through it, people will come to believe based on what they see, not just what they hear. See, it's one thing for for one of our members in the church. um, We just just celebrated a, a year of sobriety for him. It's a guy named Mark. I am so proud of him. He he started drinking when he was 13 or 14 years old. He's gone, I think, 40 more, 40 or more years now of drinking and, and has not, I think, had more than a week, uh, it, definitely not more than a month since that time. Well, this last Sunday, we celebrated one year sober for him. See, it's, it's one thing if Mark had told people God can set them free, but it's a whole other thing for him to say, look at me, look at my life, look what God's given me, look what God has done. I am over a year sober. God set me free. See, God didn't just tell Moses to talk. God told Moses to use what he was carrying, and I'm telling you the same thing. Don't be worried about what anyone else is going to think. Just use what God has given you and allow him to work through it. Trust God to do his part. If God is prompting you right now to act, you need to act. If God's prompting you to move, move. If God has given you something to use, use it. And then trust that God will work on people's hearts and that they will be convinced when they see what God is doing through you. Do we need to share our testimony? Do we need to say words? Sure. Words are important. Words are good. We need to use our words. I'm not, I'm not saying that, that we are to only witness through our actions, but what I'm saying is that if all we have is words, why would people believe anything we have to say if we don't live it out? And God says, what is in your hand? And I'm asking you, what is in your hand? What has God equipped you for? What has God put in your hand? What has God given you? What talents and abilities and gifts and experiences and uh, what personality, what influence do you already have? Because if you allow God to work through it, you don't have to worry about what other people will think. They'll, they'll be convinced by what they see. The fourth objection, the last one here that, that Moses gives was this one. He says, I'm not equipped for it. I, I'm not equipped for the call that you're putting on my life. You're asking me to be your mouthpiece. You're asking me to be the one speaking for you, but I can't speak very good. So Exodus 4, 10 to 15, Moses is, again, he says he pleaded with the Lord. Now he stopped protesting. <laughs> I think at this point he's he's done with the protesting thing. He's realizing every time he has an objection, God has an answer. And so he then begins to plead, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I've never been and I'm not now. And even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue tied. My words get tangled. Tradition actually says that Moses had a stutter or something similar to that, a speech impediment. 
But the Lord's response to Moses is incredible here. He says, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what you say. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. And that was the last straw. (laughs) It says, then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said. What about your brother, Aaron, the Levite? I know he speaks well. Now, Moses, probably hearing this, is thinking, okay, good. Someone else is going to do it. But what God says is, look, he's on his way to meet with you now. He'll be delighted to see you. Talk to him, and you put the words in his mouth. And I'll be with you both as you speak. And I'll instruct you both in what to do. Moses' final objection here was he's just not equipped to do the job. And again, tradition holds he had a stutter or a speech impediment. And I could certainly see where if that is me, and God's asking me to go before, say, the president of the United States and speak to him, I would be nervous. I would be nervous anyway. But if I had a speech impediment or a stutter, I would really be nervous. Whatever the case is, Moses definitely confesses here that he has a hard time with words and a hard time with speaking. And God doesn't deny that. He doesn't deny that Moses has that problem. He simply says, I can make you speak if I need to. And God's responses here are great. He gives two of them. First, God reminds Moses that he created Moses' mouth, which means that when the time comes for Moses to speak eloquently, God can make him do so. And second, God tells Moses that he'll be a part of a team and sends Aaron to help him. I hope as you're listening to this, you'll get a couple of things out of this. First of all, God is more than able to use you to do whatever he has called you to do. It is God who makes your mouth. It is God who made your feet. It is God who made your hands. It is God who made your mind. And God is more than able to use you to do whatever it is he's called you to. The purpose that God has for your life, it's going to be scary. It's going to be intimidating. It will cause you to do things you did not think were possible. I like to tell my church this. God will never call you to do something that you don't need him to do. So if it feels scary, that's great. But if you take the step of faith, God is more than able to give you everything you need. Now, there are going to be times where you're not equipped. And rather than choosing to equip you, God sends along a brother or a sister to come alongside of you that he is equipped to do what you are not equipped to do. I love the fact that if you read this, God tells Moses, Aaron is already on his way. In other words, before Before Moses ever even had this objection, God prompted Aaron to come speak with Moses. God already had sent Aaron. God had already provided before Moses even voiced his need. Sometimes what we need is a brother or sister to come alongside us. And it's one of the most important things about the church. It's one of the reasons why, as much as I love technology... As much as I love the ability to communicate through Facebook and through podcasts like this one, this cannot be all that you do as a Christian. Because we don't have 
the same functions. Yes, we have the same power source, but we all provide different functions. And you need people in your life that have all of the variety of gifts. The purpose of the church is to make sure that each of us is exposed to all of the gifts of the Spirit. That each of us is connected with and, and poured into by all of the gifts of the Spirit. We cannot do that by watching a video once a week or listening to a podcast once a week. These are good things to have in our lives. These are, are good to help edify us and instruct us, but we must be connected to one another. If I were to get away from the church, it would be like only having one appliance in my kitchen. I could still do some things with one appliance. If all I had was a toaster, I could make great toast. <clears throat> but I would miss out on so much. If you were to have only one appliance in your kitchen versus what you have now, you would miss out on so much. And if you are not connected to a church, you are missing out on so much. And it's likely a lot more than you even realize. See, you don't have to know how to lead worship from the stage because others can do that for you. You don't have to know how to preach or to teach. There are others who can do that. Just as I don't have to be able to reach your friends and your neighbors so that we can grow the church. Because I have you to do that. See, our purposes come alongside one another and they work together for the good of each other. You don't have to worry about how small you feel. God is big enough to do anything through you. You don't have to worry about how you'll handle problems when they come up because God will make sure that you have everything you need when that time comes. You don't have to worry about what people are going to think. You win them over eventually by letting God work through what he's placed in your hand. You don't have to worry about your shortcomings because God is more than able to either give you strengths in those areas when you need them or send along someone who is strong in those areas to walk alongside you. You have a purpose for your life, but it starts with a single simple step. You must first connect with and surrender to the one who made you for that purpose. And it is only then when you are connected to that source of power that will fuel your purpose. Once you've done that, it becomes a daily journey to work with one another to fulfill the purpose God has called us to. It's daily, it's weekly, it's monthly, it's yearly. It's a journey, it's a life, it is a partnership, it is a family. If God's prompting you right now to make a step, take that step and make it. Take a step of faith. Trust God to meet you, to hold you up as you take a step of faith. And then once you've made that, pay attention to his promptings for the next step and the next and the next and the next. And before you know it, your life is so much better than you ever imagined. And it is so much more fulfilled. You can make a difference in this world 
God called you to make a difference in this world in some way, big or small. This world should be different because you are a part of it. It should be better because you are a part of it. But that only happens when we use what God has placed in our hand, when we do what God has made us to do. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us at New Beginnings Family. We appreciate you listening and hope that the message was encouraging, inspiring, challenging, that ultimately it brings you closer to Jesus Christ. If you have any questions for us or would like to get a hold of us, you can reach out to us at www.nbfamily.net. Thank you so much. We love you. Have an amazing day. And thank you for all your support. We'll see you next time.